At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. It's Oral Hygiene, Oral Hygiene, the podcast where we discuss educational films, experimental and caught films, and weird documentaries. Um, this is Matt with me today is Luke Summer Hayes. Hello. What's up, what's up, YouTube? It's your boy. Don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button. Hit that bell so you get notifications. Can you dubstep that harder? What's up, YouTube? It's your boy. <laughs> that's cool no okay. I'm not Shemesky <laughs> <laughs> you're not your student that can do that yeah. I guess I just named him now right <laughs> yes, yep so you did <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, today I'm, I'm singing for you because it's one of the more iconic educational films from the 50s it is uh, Duck and Cover so Luke can you give us a four or five sentence summary of about what happens with Duck and Cover uh, well we start with a little vidget vision of Bert the turtle walking down the street. He sees the flash, so he gets in his shell. But boys and girls, you don't have a shell, but don't worry, you can be safe from the atom bomb too. Just curl up in a ball, get under a table, get next to a wall, or cover yourself with a newspaper, and you'll be fine. So, you never had an atomic drill, did you? No, that's why I'm so fascinated by it all. Because I grew up just after the Cold War ended. I grew up in the 1990s, end of history, everything's fine era. <laughs> I had a few atomic drills the first couple years of elementary school. Mm. We all, and this is Atlanta, this is Southeast, we also had tornado drills. Right. They were the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> both of them, they'd have you go out in the hall and do the, you know, duck and cover thing, right? Yep. For, for both kinds of drills. So I guess they were equating a tornado and a... It's just a lot of force will knock your building over yeah. get to the safest spot. Right. <laughs> Tornado, there's less danger of you being, you know, irradiated after. But. I, I don't usually bring this one up on this particular podcast, but in this case, it's well known enough, I should say. How did you come across this film? Um, or, or know about it? I think right, so was, I, this was your first watching. Yeah, I think I have watched it a, okay. a few, many moons ago. So I grew up watching Arnold Schwarzenegger films on the loop. My favorite being Terminator 2 with the famous atom bomb scene. Um, so I grew up very interested in nuclear bombs um, and just fascinated by the fact that right now on the planet, there are men who can press a button and end the world. And people these days just kind of ignore that, which is insane. <laughs> um, and I, I liked to read stuff from that Cold War era where it seemed like people genuinely lived with that existential dread over your head every single day. And that's always fascinated me. I was about to say, I actually did go through elementary school thinking like we were about to, you know, go beyond Thunderdome at any day. Right. That's what I find, because I grew up just after that, what I find fascinating is, like, when I never lived this, but when I hear people talk about that era, it feels like you thought it was inevitable. Yes. It wasn't this might happen, it was eventually this will happen. Yeah, I, when I, I do remember uh, before about 1991, that, which puts me at, I was 12 years old then, so 
probably about age six to age 12, I was assuming that the end was nigh. Mm. <laughs> so the closest I had was between the two Gulf Wars and 9-11, I thought that like some sort of violence was going to happen. But it was never going to be the end of the world. <laughs> I just thought war was going to happen. <laughs> uh, like, you know, which it did constantly just on the streets far away, not where I lived. Well, an another one um, you mentioned, what is, what is the British film that made everyone shit themselves in the 80s? Uh, Threads. Okay, in, in America it was The Day After. Yeah. Both of which could be done for this podcast or our regular sci-fi sanctuary, really. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like for those, you, we want to get a guest in and talk about the full 90 minutes of it. But yeah, just this whole atmosphere is so fascinating to me. And so, <clears throat> like, it is terrifying. And yet we just don't think about it. It's like, um, I guess it's been replaced by climate change. Yeah. My generation, it is, well, inevitably the planet is going to flood and most of us are going to die. Well, now it's biohazards. Well, at the moment, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, like, it, in the sense that it's not like uh, this might happen, it's we're just, when is it going to happen? Yeah. Well, and now we're waiting get. for the next virus to really screw up people, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, that, that's the mindset. No, it's fine. We'll respond appropriately next time. <laughs> Oh, at least in Japan we might. <laughs> I mean, they seem to come every hundred years, so there you go. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I wanted you to go first. I'll tell you how I became familiar with this film. Um, I became familiar with this film before becoming obsessed with educational films, as, you know, a lot of people probably know this one. But um, this is my, my aunt telling me that growing up, uh, do you know what a Dutch oven is? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, my mom and her sister would Dutch oven each other while singing Duck and Cover. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so if, they, if someone starts singing the song, you're about to get fart bombed. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. So that's how, and, and I, think it was, I think I'd been hearing that story and just uh, the occasional throwing out of Duck and Cover. Because yep. basically, if one of them farts, they're going to say Duck and Cover. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't see the film till many years later, so. Well, yeah, for a generation of, like, the kids, what, what year was this? Uh, I'm thinking 53, okay. although, I, yeah. So kids grew up in the 50s or 60s, like, Duck and Cover was familiar as your ABCs. Right. It was just a thing that you knew. I was noting this seems to be in a brief period where the atom bomb mattered more and the hydrogen bomb wasn't the thing. Right. But I think um, people, confl I think I often conflate the two. Well, the, the hydrogen bomb is way more explosive than an atom bomb. Yeah, but they're both using atomic power right, of right. some kind. It's just hydrogen is like the next level of atom bomb. Exactly. I mean, if, if you see a flash from the hydrogen bomb, duck and cover is not going to do shit for you. I mean, it wouldn't with, with an atom bomb either, but yeah. especially with a hydrogen bomb. <laughs> well, I, I feel like the main reason this was actually made wasn't because they thought it would help anyone, but to convince people that it wasn't as dangerous as it actually was <laughs> it's like i feel like this film rather than being designed to contribute to that existential dread was meant to alleviate it exactly it's, it's like yeah when that inevitable nuclear war comes don't worry you can survive it because you'll be in the middle of your your crouch when you get vaporized basically mm -hmm. <laughs> it reminds me of the uh, i often hear the thing about airplanes i don't know if it's true that the position they tell you to adopt in a crash isn't to save you, it's to make you easier to identify. <laughs> <laughs> that said, um, most planes that crash people do survive. Yeah, yeah like statistically speaking, it's the safest way to travel. Yeah, yeah, even if your plane crashes, you're probably not going to die. Well, yeah, because like, 
if the engine goes out on a plane, it's still got wings. Yeah, someone's trying to just, glide it in. It'll glide down to the floor, yeah. <laughs> it might be a rough landing, of course, but uh, yeah. That is the one thing. It's not just that the plane's going to fail, but that the plane has to fail, and then something else. You know, 80 horrible things have to happen before a yeah, yeah, yeah. horrible plane wreck. But with an atom bomb or a hydrogen bomb, only one horrible thing really needs to happen. <laughs> yep. But, um, yeah, so... Of course, they, you know, trying to finesse this mentality by the time I was in elementary school. And it was weird. I'm, I'm not quite sure when we all forgot about it. Well, when did the wall come down? Like, 92, 93? The wall came down in 89. Oh, The Soviet Union went down in 91. Right, I always, yeah, I always And Gorbachev had shown up talking about Glasnost and Perestroika in uh, 86 or 87. So, you know, 82, 83, there were several times when we actually, like, had, like, Cuban Missile Crisis that they just kind of tried to talk about in whispers. Mm -hmm. Like, there were several incidents in 82, 83 where things did come to a head again through right. accident or, like, misidentification. But, you know, the, 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 dumb, the dumb things that would lead to an actual nuclear war, you know? Right. It wouldn't be, like, an actual, like, you know, people, like, thumping their chests directly to each other. Um, yeah, it's not two tribes going to war. It's just... Something stupid happens well, and something um, large blew up. That's how World War Two happened on the Japan side is just a series of just no one standing up and saying let's not do this and it just tumbled forwards with no one really saying like this is a good idea or this is a bad idea <laughs> they just kept going until they started the most like horrific war this is what we do now yep. <laughs> so uh Bert the turtle could he be a Pokemon or is he too stupid for I mean, that he's basically just a turtle there are a bunch who are basically he's more like a Koopa from Mario Oh, like once he's a, yeah. No, I'll tell you what he is. He's a, um, he's a Bertie Beetle. Because <laughs> once they're in their shell, they're immune to fireballs. Okay. Should uh, Bert have been a cockroach? <laughs> yeah, because they're meant to survive, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what they say. Yeah, but none of the kids want to imitate a cockroach. <laughs> 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 when I grow up, I want to be just like Colin the Cockroach. <laughs> Kafka is your hero. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a bit of a computer gamesman and we're doing Duck and Cover, people might be expecting me to talk about the Fallout games. But don't, I haven't actually played very much of them. Did you ever dabble in Fallout? Um, a guy, Mark Malik, usually on this podcast, he, he, I remember watch, watching him play a lot of Fallout. Okay. I didn't personally play because, well, you've got to kind of learn how to play Fallout. Yeah. I briefly was dabbled. Is this, this the first couple, like, PC ones where it's top-down or the newer first-person ones? I remember watching him play a lot of Fallout 3. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, the top. Honestly, if I were to play a Fallout now, I'd probably go for that top down. Me too, because that's. Um, I think that's full of more like dry British humor. <laughs> <laughs> I heard um, the tone is very different. I did play a little bit when I first got an iPhone. I did. I downloaded the Fallout Shelter, but it, you know. Oh yeah, I downloaded that on my Switch and never played it. Yeah, it's an idle player, which <laughs> idle games. Uh, I will say there has been an idle game or two I weirdly enjoyed, but in general, I'm not cool. I don't want to do the idle game. The I'm ones not... that I've enjoyed have been where they tie into some other game or something. Yeah. Like, I'm playing, like, a decent, a proper action or strategy game, but I also on the side can well, idly farm this You'll way. even be surprised to hear about 10 years ago, I actually did walk around with the, the Pokeball step counter in my pocket for the, the Oh, the heart gold one? Yeah, but yeah. that's where I got stuck in the casino and just didn't matter anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but it mattered for a little bit, and I, I got a little bit of... Uh, well, I'm, I'm wearing my... Um, Bling. My Digimon watch that counts my steps right now. And my heart rate. <laughs> yeah, and then my iPhone's doing that, but that's just for my own personal 
curiosity more than anything else. So, yeah, um, what are they telling you to do in this exactly? They're, I mean, it probably is like the right advice because it might save one in a hundred people. Yeah, I mean, my thought is watching this. Okay, they're showing mostly suburban settings. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea is you'd probably want to you'd be dropping the bomb greatly on urban centers. Mm. So there you're you're screwed. This, I guess, is you're on, like, the periphery of the atom bomb. Yeah. Where the shockwave is not going to be as intense. The heat's not going to be as intense. They can't tell you that directly, but uh, that's... Right, yeah, 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 yeah. That's who this is really aimed at. If uh, you're in, like, ground zero, you are not surviving. Yeah. And that, this isn't aimed at those people, I guess. That, that's why it's all white people, as opposed to, you know, 80 other 50s conventions, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, like, there's plenty of reasons why it's all white people, I think. Yeah. This film that I uh, just watching now is like there literally is no one like not looking Nordic in this movie. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> with the fifties, it doesn't surprise me as much. No, unless it is like this is the last survivors of the human race in a bucket, like in uh, when worlds collide. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I have a bad habit. Okay, I, I keep bringing up Saved by Bell because I got the freaking box set for Christmas, right? So I've been watching and listening to podcasts, but um, there was one theory I heard where um, it was like, oh, this is like a post-apocalyptic world where there's like 50 people left and they're just saving the the best specimens. Maybe that's what... (laughs) That's (laughs) why everyone's so beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why it's like so insular and you only see like five sets in that show. (laughs) And that someone breaks their leg and it's like the end of the world. Right. (laughs) That's not why, but it is a fantastic theory. But um, same thing going here. Maybe we're watching... You know, we're already watching The Last Dregs, right? I mean, if you survive this thing by duck and covering, it's not like everything's going to be peachy right after. Yeah, it's not like you're going to go back to school the next day and it's fine. <laughs> also, this film just completely ignores the existence of radiation. Yeah. Like, if you duck and cover, you're still pretty fucked. Well, keep in mind, I almost put on a film for you which talked about that in an unrealistic way. We'll do that another time. But right. <laughs> but I want, like, I think this was at the point where the media was still being censored and all of that stuff. Like, reports of what happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki were still being, like, kept pretty under wraps up until the 50s. Yeah, I think the fallout from my sharing was, like, a few years later, like, you know, 57, maybe even 61. So at this point, it was just like, oh, it's a big boom, and if you're a turtle, you'll get right through it. Like, around Godzilla in 1954 was the first point we were really aware of that, I think. Right. Yeah, they tried very hard to cover all that up at first. Pushes the importance of that film a little more, other than just being oh, a I mean, swank a, monster flick. That is a phenomenally important film, but... That's a socially important push, so... Yeah. It didn't, I, see, that doesn't occur to me. I just assume, like, after... I assume in 19... You know, I assume by September 1945, everyone was like, wow, that was screwed up. No, 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 because they... The people who did it knew it was really fucked up. <laughs> that's why they tried very hard to contain it for a long time. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, dropping those two bombs on Japan was a fucking awful act. Right. And then um, they they tried to suppress that radiation was a thing at all. Like the Hiroshima sickness and stuff, they were burying all the reports, which led to even more deaths because they weren't getting the treatment they needed. And the, they were super censoring the media for pretty much the whole occupation. Now, we teach in Japan, and I, I don't know if you... I think, it's, I think it's the junior high three class, which we don't always do the, the book for. Mm. But um, I do know that that specifically has a um, radiation casualty from Hiroshima story. Yeah, um, the, is it Sadako? Story of Sadako, yes. Yeah, she made the thousand paper cranes to wish for health, but still died. Yeah, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that story never showed up in my American textbooks. No. Um, 
Barack Obama, who was the first president to visit those sites and apologize, um, I saw the paper crane that he made. It was a big deal here when that yeah. happened too. So, yeah, because he's very well liked here. Yeah. still to this day. They got a city called one. Obama. I mean, that, that's, that's, unrelated, that, that's, from, that's unrelated. That's from a thousand years ago. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, just, they were real excited when he got elected. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, he. Um, I saw the paper crane that he made in Hiroshima. Oh, they I kept, still they kept it. very much struggled to make paper cranes. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Just last week we had the, the lesson, can you make paper cranes? And I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> I definitely cannot. <laughs> was, um, we did a race and it's like three of the four kids could do it. And there's me and one other kid just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Oh, you actually tried to make them. I, I didn't call I always, them. Like... It's in the, the this workshop no one else is going to care about. The less the, um, who da-da-da's the fastest, who da-da-da's the <laughs> hardest, is who can make a paper crane the fastest. Oh, oh, oh here, here's a dick move what? that I did last week. Uh-huh. You know, I had my guitar at the school, right? Yeah, yeah. So a kid was like, yes, I can play guitar. So I just walked out of the classroom, okay, show me. <laughs> <laughs> Could he? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 everyone thought it was funny. And, and the kid was, like, it was a little bit of a break, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I, I think your high school student, I also, he, he says he can play guitar hand to him, and he, he could at least run a few riffs on it. Uto? You teach Uto? No. Oh, maybe maybe it's Maddie's student. Anyway, that, that's that's too much shop talk for yeah. this. But that might even be worth cutting because that's very boring. Chat. I don't cut anything. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still listening, listeners, then you must really like us, or you just you're in a position where you can't press your skip button. <laughs> Number forty-seven on Japan's TV <laughs> podcast. I don't think Japan has many TV podcasts. <laughs> or just podcasts in general. They don't. Know. I think they have their own app for that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I often get adverts for it on YouTube. It's called, like, Spoon. I, and see, it's like, it's a new idea. It's audio YouTube. I, fe- I felt so disappointed when you hit the end sound. I thought you're, it was going to be called Spooge. That's why I called it. <laughs> Spooge, right into your ears. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, how hard should we be laughing at this? I, I, I think... Should I laugh at it because the people who made this are idiots? Or that by your mentioning that they dissuaded fear at least on a superficial level was was that worth doing or are they idiots uh, I mean maybe we're just laughing with relief that we're still here <laughs> but we're... I don't I don't know um I I think maybe there was a little bit of ignorance there was a bit of deliberately trying to keep it like out of the public consciousness it was a whole bunch of things but it does just come across very now as like it's really quaint that they thought this was going to help. Yeah. Like, I, I do think it's a probably less likely now we're going to get, like, a ICBM, you know, all missiles out strike. Yeah, it's going to be one of these dirty bombs that went missing. Exactly. This, it's it's going to be one 90s. of these lost nukes. Like, <laughs> there is actually, I'd say, at this point, way more probability that a city's going to blow up now than at that point in time. Right, because at that point you had, like, mutually assured destruction. Yeah. Whereas it's, it's a rogue state or it's a terrorist group, they don't give a shit how you retaliate, right? People turn to that kind of terrorism because they've given up all hope on traditional diplomacy or anything. Yeah. So I do feel like we're going to, you know, uh, hopefully not, of course, but it's, I just do feel it's more likely we're going to see something like that I now. mean, in, Which, like... But that actually happens, right? Yeah. Mutually assured destruction hopefully doesn't happen because I'd like to think at some level people aren't completely like, let's end the world right here, right now. I, I think the fact that the Cold War lasted for those like 40, 50 years and no one ever pressed the button is actually quite a good sign for humanity. Yeah, I mean, 
I think deep down, no one wants to press that button that's going to kill that many people. No, I mean, you have to be beyond psychopathic for that. Well, you, or you have, you have to, to be, be pushed to the point that we were pushed out of World War II, where it's like, this is going to cost tens of thousands of American lives. Yeah. I still don't believe it was the right thing to do, and also I think it was a dick-waving thing with Russia. <laughs> but for the guy flying that plane who dropped that bomb, I can kind of understand where he was at. Right. Whereas the guy who just presses the button for the ICBM, and it's like, okay, like a million people on the other side of the planet, bye-bye. Also, probably everyone else once this kicks off. Well, that's another thing. That's that's a that's one big burst. Now we have all the drones where you can have people like piloting video game consoles and yeah, taking yeah. out weddings. So, well, I mean, the whole thing of like ninety percent of army training is just making your brain not see it as killing real people anymore. <laughs> and when you're doing it through drones and shit, that's even easier. This sounds like a sitcom episode. I, I spent a weekend at an army ranger base. <laughs> like. Um, it was exp- it's like the Boy Scouts, but it had girls too. Okay. And I got to wear a cooler uniform. That's the only one that even had a uniform, but because uh, I was the president of the club. But we went to an army ranger base, and I just remember they had us climbing walls all week, which was, and then mountains, you know, like rope, like. Oh yeah, ropes well, at and that stuff. stage they're going to show you the fun kind of training. Yeah, because they want you to join up. Yeah, it was it was just a weird experience because it was an active army ranger base. It yeah. wasn't like just like for show, so. Yeah, we kept running across people that were like hardcore, man. So you gotta love your troops, Matt. G.I. Joe. Do you love Joe. the troops, Matt? The ones in the bar were fun. Why they let us in the bar? We were seventeen. I mean, they didn't give us alcohol, but we were there playing pool to show you how much you need to love the troops. This sounds like a sitcom episode. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but that happened. What the? What the? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I that's, for the most part, I do respect individuals who join the military. I just don't respect the institution. There was another one where I personally took people splunking, even though I'm not really qualified for that. I mean, I took plenty of people splunking when I hadn't uh, had any qualifications at that point. I'm talking actual caves, by the way. I know. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that word sounds a lot like spunk, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I think we're going to get to more nuclear films and, and, and have more to say about the nuclear stuff, but uh, specifically when we're ducking and covering... Uh, Are there any other thoughts you want to hit there? I just, I want to tell, like, how much did you think about this? Let's say when you're like nine, ten years old, it feels very real. Was it in your mind, like, on a daily basis? Was it just when you watched something like this? Yes, but let me put that in the context. Um, Up up until probably I was 12, I had not seen The Road Warrior. Okay. I had seen Thunderdome. Okay. I literally assumed Thunderdome was going to be the future. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it's like 1985 when it came out. Uh, we visited Washington D.C. and they had the the posters up in the subway. Right. And uh, I saw it not too long after because that 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 one is not as hardcore as the other man. Yeah, that one's made to be like the family friendly one, right? Right. So I assumed that Thunderdome was the actual future. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you're like six years old, right? Yeah. You don't understand that we don't know the future yet. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I thought we were getting a transmission from the Mel Gibson future. That would have been a different transmission, wouldn't it? <laughs> some bearded guy ranting about the Jews. I want to make a film now where some kid in the 80s who idolizes Mel Gibson gets a radio that plays in messages from future Mel Gibson. It's just awful, awful shit. I'll send that gun terrific Andrew's way. <laughs> Or, hey, maybe we'll make that uh, our first film. Um, I can just send you all the plugs, can't I? Uh, Yeah, right. Um, Do that. 
if you liked this podcast, it's on Twitter at, is it just at Oral Hygiene Pod? Yep. And it's also on YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, blah, blah, blah. Just search Oral Hygiene. That's A-U-R-A-L. You already know that because you're listening to it. Uh, you can find me and Matt's other podcast, Monster Matt. No. <laughs> Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. You can find that on Twitter at MLSFSPod. We talk about science fiction movies. Um, I guess if you're listening to a podcast about Duck and Cover, you might be interested in our Terminator 2 episode or our Godzilla episode, which I think are both Dark good Fate. ones. Give them Dark Fate too. Yeah, Terminator 2 is the best one, though. We talked about Terminator 2 a lot in Dark Fate. Yeah, we did, well, we've done all three Terminator <laughs> films that count, so. <laughs> what else have we done that's new key? We did do the first Mad Max. We did the first one, yeah. Road, Again, I, that's not explicitly new key, but. Right. R- Road Warriors, definitely on the docket. Mm, is that all of our post-apocalyptic stuff we've done? Oh, we did Logan's Run. Yeah. We do lots of, yeah, yeah so post-apocalyptic, we'll, we'll do some more there. We, we did Godzilla there. <laughs> we mentioned that right here. I mentioned Godzilla, yeah. We yeah. mentioned Godzilla multiple times. I can't talk about atom bombs without mentioning Terminator okay. and Godzilla. <laughs> anyway, you cannot listen to us anymore because you got to get into that hallway and duck and cover. Yep. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done.